Lindsay Berra, and welcome to Food of the Gods, a podcast that explores how elite athletes eat and train to fuel performance. In these Gurus editions, we'll feature strength and conditioning coaches, nutritionists, recovery scientists, and other performance specialists who help athletes to be their best. Today, we're talking with Larone Sarig, Director of Performance Nutrition for Major League Baseball's San Francisco Giants. Her job is to assess and manage the dietary needs of each individual Giants player and ensure they're eating the right mix of foods for both performance and recovery. Sarig helps players accomplish their goals with food, whether they need to lose fat, gain muscle, sleep better, or feel more energetic. Larone, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you? Where are you? I'm currently in San Francisco. Cool, cool. Is this an off day for you guys? Or are no, you just going a, a little game. later? So you're yeah. going in a little later tonight. Yeah. Yep. The, the baseball schedule, late nights, late mornings, it's, it's kind of funny. Yeah, I have to check the schedule every few days to make sure I know what day it is and like what time our game is. Is that so? 162 is a lot to keep up with for sure. Yeah, (laughs) definitely is. So you joined the Giants as a dietitian how many years ago? Um, I consulted for them in 2018 just with their minor league teams. And then in 2019, I became full time. What was your background prior to joining a baseball team? Yeah. So I got my education and became a registered dietitian at Florida State. Um, And through them, I interned at a company called Exos, which is a human performance company. So they do a lot of work with, you know, NFL athletes training for the combine, off-season pro athlete training, and then a lot of military stuff too. So I ended up interning there and then got a job there. And I was with them for about four and a half years. And they also did a lot of work consulting with a lot of different professional sports teams and colleges. And so that's kind of how I got connected with the Giants was through them. Cool. Were you an athlete yourself growing up? Yeah, I grew up playing soccer. I was maybe good enough to play like division two in college, but I ended up going more like academic route versus the sports scholarship route because I just didn't have like full scholarship option other than academic. So um, yeah, I just played soccer growing up, not really raised in baseball or anything else like that. So I never thought I would end up in baseball, which is what's been like the most interesting. Are you still an athlete? Do you still work out or exercise? Oh, yeah. I work out very regularly and I do play soccer still in the off season. What kind of workouts do you do? A lot of just strength training. I mean, the whole thing, especially in season is just the goal is like to get a workout in. (laughs) It doesn't matter what it is, but lately I've been doing a lot of Peloton actually, because I find that I've been most consistent with that. And it absolutely like kicks my butt in like 30 minutes. So yeah. I also have a Peloton and I do find that on the days when I'm just maybe sort of like, eh, I don't feel like doing this. The Peloton is like right there. You don't have to go anywhere. You just have to get on it and then it takes care of itself and it's brilliant. Yes. They always say like, you've done the hardest part by clipping in. I'm like, yes, I have done that. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so here we go. Right. <laughs> what drove you to become a nutritionist? So I was always really into just like health and wellness and then growing up playing soccer as I started getting older and just like getting more competitive with it. I really started diving more into like doing my own research on how nutrition affects training. And, you know, especially as a young girl, like it's a lot about aesthetics too, you know, so how can I like be in the most shape and things like that. So I would do a lot of my own research. And then 
I started my freshman year in college as like a business major and I just found that I was so bored with it. So I researched other things that I could do and then I found dietetics programs in some colleges in Florida. So that's why I went to Florida State because they had that program. And they also had a specialty in sports nutrition, which was more appealing for me. So I just kind of pursued that and it led me here, which has been awesome. When you were in high school, say playing soccer and researching on your own, what did you discover at that point about your diet that helped you personally? I think just eating in general, like not skipping meals, making sure you're getting a lot of calories. Because again, as a young teenage girl, you're less concerned about like, how can I perform optimally and more about how you look? And you're probably not feeling yourself as optimally. So I would you know, I was playing varsity soccer and I would sometimes go and play and not have anything to eat all day long. And always wondering why I was getting benched because I wasn't performing. And so I started reading a lot just about how, you know, getting enough calories, carbohydrates made a difference. And really then I don't think sports nutrition was really a thing. Like, I feel like I got into it right when it started booming a little bit more. So there wasn't a ton of information out there, but the little bit that there was did help me a lot. I always find it so interesting that difference between teenage girls and teenage guys. So like I worked at ESPN magazine for many years and I covered the NHL combine a bunch and they do that crazy test where they duct tape you to the exercise bike and put the VOT max thing in your Mm -hmm. mouth. So like you are, you got the tube in your mouth and your feet are taped to the bike and you cannot escape. And they all inevitably eat an entire bag of trail mix before they get on that bike, like within like three minutes. And what happens to you when you eat a bag of trail mix and then you have a tube down your mouth, you're going to throw up. And the boys are cranking in the calories, whereas the girls would not eat all day long. And it's just such a crazy comparison when you look at, look at the two of them. That's really interesting that that of all things too, it's a bag of trail mix too. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I'm like all those peanuts, like just like five minutes ago when you're going to be going as hard as you possibly can. No. So I do think that that's a pretty common issue. People not eating a lot. What are the most common issues that you see in diets that need to be remedied both with the professional athletes and with the normal people? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is just people don't know what they don't know. Right. So they just need education. So in the world that I'm in, a lot of it is just sometimes they forget that they're professional athletes and that they're not the general population. So it's okay to skip breakfast just because I didn't have an appetite or, you know, researching a lot of the fad diets out there and trying those things out, like in the middle of the season, you know, forgetting that they like really need to optimally perform every single day, especially in baseball. So I think it's a lot of that just forgetting that they're not just like their uncle or brother, like their body has a different need. And when you look at your team as a whole, I mean, this is what 25 guys on the roster. I'm sure you don't have 25 guys who are eating the same way. How do you individualize those nutrition programs for each player? What goes into those assessments of what they need? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really tough to individualize, especially in season. So I think it's about just like having the right food items and snack items available, and then just educating them on maybe which one would be a little bit more ideal for them. So like in spring training, I would create these sample plates to show like, Hey, if it's a low activity day, like here's a sample plate of, you know, as you go through the buffet line to build this, or, you know, if you're trying to put on some weight, like here's maybe what your plate should look like. So it's a little bit more general, but at least some guidance there. 
And then a lot of it is just kind of assessing day-to-day struggles. Like if I see a guy is really struggling with fatigue or sleep issues or things like that, then we have conversations of maybe what their habits are and maybe some interventions that could help improve that, right? So if they're having issues with fatigue, then that's something where I would ask them, okay, well, are you eating? Just basically assessing if they're eating enough throughout the day and then also assessing like when they're eating, you know, if they're eating breakfast at 11 o'clock in the morning and then they don't have anything else to eat until maybe the game ends, then maybe that's something where we would assess, okay, you probably need something in between that time frame to help kind of mitigate that fatigue. So it's just kind of like assessing kind of how they're doing as the season goes on and then figuring out, you know, what interventions we need kind of based on those symptoms. Do you have guys who come in and have eaten breakfast at 11 and don't eat until post game at 11 PM? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's such a wide range of like, I guess habits, right. Cause some guys will just like crush food all day long. And I'm like, okay, maybe, you know, the like giant hamburger and French fries that you have like an hour before the game, isn't the most ideal, but then there's guys where I'm just like begging them to eat like anything, you know? So it's just so interesting how different everyone is. Do you find there's any consistency to how the guys eat based on how old they are? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are still kind of like stuck in their ways, right? Like, so they're used to eating a certain way, but maybe they know that their body just doesn't respond to it like it used to anymore. And then, yeah, there's definitely like the younger guys. They are the ones that probably need the most education. So they'll just eat whatever, whenever, no rhyme or reason to it. So I think kind of in that sense, like the older guys are a little, like they have the knowledge of it. They think about it maybe a little bit more, even if maybe they don't make those decisions every time. And the younger guys just don't even think about it at all. (laughs) Where is that point where, I mean, at 18, 19, 20, 22, 23, you can get away with existing on chicken fingers and Doritos probably, right? Even if you are a high performing athlete, your body can usually handle it. Where, where and, and it's hard to get through to those guys and tell them chicken fingers and Doritos are bad for them if they feel okay eating chicken fingers and Doritos. So where is that tipping point usually where the bad food starts to catch up with a pro athlete? Yeah. I mean, do you mean like the age where it yeah. might or yeah. yeah. I mean, I I don't know. It's different in every sport in baseball. It's I always try to educate our younger guys that it's all about longevity, right? Yeah. You need to have longevity for the season, but also just to be in it for so many years. And I don't know, I guess that tipping point is probably like in their mid to late twenties as they have had maybe a bunch of, uh, or maybe a couple major league seasons under their belt. And maybe they're not feeling like they're recovering as easily, or they're just not having the success that they used to. Cause I mean, like, as you were saying, these guys, they can get away with it. I mean, they've made it, it's tough with the major league guys because in the minor leagues, we have a little bit more wiggle room. They're looking for something that's going to give them that edge to get to the major leagues. But when you have a player that's already there, then it's harder to convince them that these things are important because they've made it all the way there doing what they've been doing. Right. So then you have to find kind of like small victories to provide that education. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's where, you know, we get into like July, August and they start to feel you know, that they're not recovering well, that they're having sleep issues or things like that. And that's where maybe the light bulb goes off a little bit that they should start adjusting their habits a little more. When you were in the minor leagues, I have a lot of uh, like minor league strength coach type friends who do this for their players. Did you ever take the players on the grocery store trip to teach them how to shop? And if you did, what were you teaching them in the grocery store? 
Yeah, I definitely have done that. Typically, we just kind of take them around the store and show them like what areas to kind of gravitate towards. So the first thing is like, we want to go in the perimeter because that's where all the fresh food will be, you know, all the produce, all the meat, all the dairy, and just kind of educate them in those sections, what is important to get, like different colors of fruit and vegetables, not just fruit, like grab some vegetables too. And then maybe giving them some tips on how to cook those vegetables. Mm -hmm. You have to get really creative, especially in minor leagues because they're living out of hotels, right? So they don't have kitchens. So you have to get really creative about what you're also telling them to grab in those sections. And then going into the aisles and talking about like looking at food labels. So looking for certain ingredients for like bread, looking for things that have a little bit more fiber in them or have like whole grain as an ingredient and just kind of helping them navigate that. But it's always so funny because We've done this a couple of times and like, then the guys will just kind of go shopping on their own <laughs> and they walk away with some stuff that you tell them, but they still walk away like, you know, with like a Hershey's bar or Snickers bar or something too. And you're like, All right, baby steps. <laughs> if, they, if they are living out of a hotel, it's really, I mean, like if you grab a bag of raw broccoli, you're eating it raw in your hotel. So if you don't like raw broccoli, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. They do. A lot of guys love ranch dressing though. So we can maybe get a win with that one. Ah, <laughs> uh, the ranch dressing by the vat, the secret to high performance, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. What about the guys that make it to the big leagues? And everybody's always sort of looking at that point for like that thing that's going to like 1% improve them and set them apart. Like I'm thinking about when Mark Teixeira was playing with the Yankees and he gave up gluten and was telling everybody who would listen, how it changed his life. Do you find guys like there's one guy on the team who went paleo or keto or gluten-free or vegan or whatever, and now everyone wants to do it? Yeah, that happens all the time. I mean, it's just like one thing and then it kind of explodes in the clubhouse. But yeah, it happens. But I think like I, I like it because I use it as like a tool to arm myself. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, it'll be some guys who have never even thought about like nutrition at all. And now they're saying like the word paleo. So to me, that's a win because it makes them start thinking about paleo, okay, what types of foods kind of fall into a paleo diet and what doesn't. So they learn a little bit about, you know, what are carbs, what are fats, what's protein. And so I use it as like an educational moment. Sometimes there's the guys who are a little bit more stubborn and it's hard to teach them out of that, like how it may not be the best for them. And they almost have to like the biggest thing I noticed is like I with something that I know may not be sustainable for everyone. It could definitely work for one person. I may not work for the whole team is I'll just have them try it. I'm like, all right, you know, try it out. Here's like some tips on how to do it, figure it out. You know, if you can do it for four weeks consistently and you feel amazing with it, then it's probably the right thing for you. And most of the time they're going to try it for like two days and then be sad that they can't have like the day game donut, you know, Uh and then it's all out the window. So it's, you know, I kind of use it to arm myself to educate them a little bit. Are there any of those, how do you feel in general about the paleo keto fat fueled athlete thing? I know it works better in some sports than others. Yeah. I mean, it depends. Like that's such a cliche way to answer a question as a dietitian Mm -hmm. is it depends, but it really does. Cause there's some guys who really, I would say keto less, maybe more like a paleo type of approach that they do feel a lot better on. And we can figure out ways to incorporate nutrients that they need at certain times. So it, it isn't affecting their performance. But typically with those things, I try to encourage guys to be more focused on approaches like that in the off season so that it isn't affecting their performance. But yeah, I mean, it kind of just depends on 
how the person's responding. And, you know, I'm not a hater on any of those things out there, if especially if, if someone says they feel amazing with it. And as long as it's not affecting their performance on the field. Is there a particular type of diet that you advocate for the everyman athlete or just a, an approach to eating? I think the biggest thing is just to have consistency and have balance, right? So try not to try to have some sort of schedule and you're eating every day, which, you know, especially in baseball is really hard because you go day games, night games, different time zones, like it's all over the place, but having some sort of consistency, I think is really important because then if you're feeling anything negative or positive, you at least know like what it's attributed to. And then also just having balance, right? So not just totally removing one nutrient or type of food, because that could be, you know, a beneficial food, right? Like just completely cutting out carbs when that's what your body's going to use for energy wouldn't be ideal unless they've consistently done it and tried it out and seen that it works for them. If that makes sense. You guys do have these crazy schedules. And a lot of times a game that starts at seven o'clock baseball games take sometimes four hours. You're not done till 11, 1130 at night. And at home, you would think maybe they're going home and going to bed at a reasonable hour. Or sometimes they have to get on a plane and fly somewhere. What, what do you advocate that they eat as a post-game meal, literally in the middle of the night? Yeah, this is a tough one because uh, sports dietitians really haven't been like fully in, immersed in Major League Baseball until maybe like about six, seven years ago. And so, you know, it's you're basically immersing yourself in a place where you really have to create some culture change, too. So like from a cultural standpoint, the guys are used to eating a post game meal. And what I found is that that meal is usually like the most luxurious brand of all the meals, right? It's usually the biggest meal. It's usually from a nice steakhouse. There's dessert involved. And so like, I came into this world being like, oh, that's so not ideal for like what these guys need to be doing to go to sleep and like get ready for the next day. But the way that I've kind of like met in the middle, if you will, is just always having things available that would promote like good sleep or would promote recovery for the next day, along with the things that may not and trying to get those guys to gravitate to those things and educate them more on it. Right. So I order the meals for all of our road trips and I collaborate with our home clubhouse chefs on everything at home. And we always make sure we have a lean protein available and that the portions are at least six ounces and protein is going to help with their keeping them in a positive protein balance at night, you know, helping with their sleep and then always trying to have like fruits and vegetables available, a good carbohydrate. So like potatoes or rice or something that's just going to be typically like a brown rice or something that'll be a little bit more slow digesting for them. And then antioxidants. So one big thing that's kind of a staple in our clubhouse and everywhere we go is tart cherry juice. So tart cherries natural source of melatonin are also super high in antioxidants. So that's something, you know, that I'll encourage a lot of guys to gravitate towards or grab before they go to sleep to at least what we always say, play for the tie. <laughs> so yeah. having like a huge steak for dinner, I'm like, all right, well, let's take this cherry juice and, you know, hopefully that'll help. But the other thing of it too, is like their schedule is so pushed back compared to like the average population. A lot of these guys, like they first won't report to the clubhouse maybe at like one o'clock in the afternoon at the earliest on a night game. And, you know, that means a lot of times they're going to bed at like two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning and still getting, you know, their eight to nine hours. And so their whole day is just pushed back. So I look at it as like, okay, well, it's another meal to get nourishment, to get the calories they need. We just have to kind of have this culture shift on like, 
maybe we don't need a dessert present every single time. Yeah. Um, and it, so yeah. It, it may well be if they're eating at 1130 and staying up until three, that would be the equivalent of me stopping my food intake at 7.30 and going to bed at 11. They're still getting like three hours of time to digest before they go to sleep, provided they're not like munching on a bag of M&Ms on the way home. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of room service orders from what I've heard, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have guys coming and telling you then I can't sleep? And then you have to say, well, how many calories did you consume right before you went to bed? I mean, that would be the obvious answer to me is why guys aren't sleeping. But what do you do about those guys who come to you and say, I can't sleep? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that could contribute to that. Probably the biggest one is their caffeine intake, because that's the other kind of back to your other question of like the biggest kind of issue or remedy that we need to have is typically like the excessive caffeine consumption because they get in this cycle of like, well, they don't sleep well. So then they overconsume caffeine or think they need it solely for performance. And so that's probably the biggest thing that I assess. But then I also talk to them about, okay, well, like, what are you having before you go to bed? Are you always choosing like the fattiest meat option that we have, the highest sugar sides that we have, and then maybe figuring out how to like make substitutions there. So that's not the case every time. I think the caffeine is a huge problem in everyday people's diets as well with the yeah. you know number of just cups of coffee and frappuccinos and the energy drinks that have caffeine and a lot of the athletes, a lot of the pre-workouts have caffeine. If you take an Excedrin for a headache, it has caffeine. It kind of, it yeah. hides in a lot of places. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, and, it's a lot. I mean, it's tough too, because they see that as like, well, this is my pre-workout. This is my performance. I'm like, no, like food is your energy. Like caffeine is great. And we do know it has performance benefits, but sometimes guys will just grab a Red Bull and not have anything to eat. And they'll grab like a sugar-free one. And they're shocked when I'm like, well, at least grab the one that has sugar in it before you get out to the game. Because like, you need something that's actually going to give you like physical energy, not just like energy neurologically where you think the perception is that you have more energy. So it's a lot of just kind of like navigating that too, because again, that's also a part of that culture. But like you said, it's with everyone. The baseball players also have an interesting schedule. You said sometimes they arrive at the clubhouses, like not before one o'clock, but your game time is not until seven. A lot of them will arrive at one, one thirty, and do a workout of some sort, be it like a light lift or some mobility stuff. And then they have to go and do their individual position warmups. Everybody takes batting practice. So they've done all this stuff between one and seven o'clock before the game even starts. And then they have a four hour baseball game to play. So that's like nine or 10 hours of activity that they need to fuel for that some of them are attempting to do with one sugar-free Red Bull. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, (laughs) the thing is, um, the great thing about how like just sports dietitians being around has improved that is, you know, we do provide three meals a day, every single game day. So, I mean, there is no lack of like food availability. It's there when they arrive, it's there before game their post game it's there on the flight it's on the buses it's in the dugouts it's in the bullpen like there's food everywhere and i surely make sure of it so that they're at least like it's there and it's convenient for them to grab it so that 
you know, maybe that's not the case that they are just like running yeah. out of fumes. Because I mean, especially for our starting pitchers too. I mean, they're probably the ones that I worry about the most on, especially the days that they pitch. I mean, they're not doing much else on those days, but those guys will tend to eat the least on those days, right? So they're because of the nerves and all of that, they're probably not getting a whole lot. And then they have to absolutely like perform for a longer period of time than they're used to most of the week. And so with them, it's a lot of that education and just spending the off season and spring training kind of tinkering with what might work for them and then helping them to stay consistent with that. Yeah. I I do remember um, years ago at the Beijing Olympics when Michael Phelps told the world that he ate 10,000 calories per day. Now I know that MLB players, they don't swim laps continuously for four hours. They're more of like a stop and start kind of thing. But I mean, I don't know if there's a way you can frame it and give us some perspective on how much food you think a professional athlete actually needs to eat per day. Yeah. I mean, it depends on their size and, you know, what position they are, how much activity they're actually exerting. But I mean, it would probably be upwards of like, 4,000 calories a day, just from a maintenance standpoint. I mean, there's, we have a lot of guys who have trouble keeping their weight on during the season, despite all the food availability. And those guys probably need upwards of 5,000 calories a day. And so, yeah, their needs are definitely a lot higher. Even people watch baseball, they don't know a lot about it. They don't think that it's like as exerting as it is, but it is actually. And like you said, they have a lot of other things that keeps them active throughout the day, not just the game itself. And so, yeah, they definitely have higher caloric needs. Yeah. I, I've, so just perspective for the normal people, I think that an average like 185 pound man probably needs like 2,300 calories a day, right? As opposed to four or 5,000 for yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, and they have higher like macro micronutrient needs too, right? If you're a strength trained athlete in a power sport, you're probably going to need double the amount of protein than the average population same with fat. Like these guys are putting them, their bodies under a lot of physical stress, but also mental stress. So getting proper amount of good fats, you know, throughout the day, they typically have higher need for that micronutrients too. So like vitamin D definitely, they have a higher need for that. They're basically professional athletes or people who are just more active in general than most of the population. They're utilizing more of those nutrients than they're probably consuming. And so they definitely do have higher needs. You mentioned the tartary juice, which I actually love. And I take it in like capsule form on the go. And I think it's great. Not only it makes me sleep like a baby, but I do think it has some benefits for muscle recovery as well. Are there any other supplements that you advocate for your players? Yeah, probably the biggest staple is like a fish oil. So a good omega-3 source. Typically, they're not going to get a lot of that in the diet because the most abundant sources are things like salmon or certain types of oils and things like that. And they're most of these guys are not gravitating towards eating a lot of wild caught salmon every day. So <laughs> definitely omega-3. Um, so a fish oil, curcumin is one that um, we incorporate too. So just, I call it nature's ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. So they, they see that and they're like, oh, I'll just take it every, you know, like when I have a headache, I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. We need to take it more consistently, but that's something that helps um, to kind of reduce stress, reduce inflammation. And then, you know, just like your standard ones, a good multivitamin, just an insurance policy to make sure they're still getting nutrients without, if they may not be getting it in their daily food intake, those are probably kind of like the biggest ones just from like a recovery health maintenance standpoint that we look at. And then of course, tartary juice, hydration drinks, things like that. What about things like a protein powder or a collagen? I know a lot of people love. 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely protein and something like that. I encourage them, especially like around their activity. Like we have ready to drink protein shakes or we have powdered whey protein, especially for the guys that I know are skipping a lot of meals. That's something I'll encourage them to get to. And then collagen is a big one that we incorporate too. We'll blend it into smoothies or, you know, we'll incorporate it with certain guys or, you know, if there's a guy already like creating a little supplement drink for himself, I'll just tell him to throw in some collagen too, because it's unflavored and could be good for them also. So that, and then we have like some supplements that support sleep and recovery as well. And those are pretty much like our biggest staples. And then a good probiotic too. Um, I forgot to mention that. Do you have a hard time getting guys to take all of this stuff? Yes. <laughs> How do you get um, like, I can't get my mom or my dad to take, I'm like, mom, did you take your vitamins today? And she's like, well, I have them for the week. And sometimes I take them on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And sometimes I take them on Fridays and not the rest of the time. And I'm like, um, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> so how do you get them to take them consistently? Yeah, that's, this one's tough, but that's where it's a lot of just like the performance team, like the medical team and the sports performance team, just having kind of a hand in that. Like when I'm with the team, traveling with them and being around all the time. That's something that I'll just like prepare for some guys. So I'll create certain drinks for them or certain like packets of pills based on like what I know they're comfortable taking or just anything that I'd recommend just to keep them consistent. So it's a lot of just kind of giving it to them in a sense. Here, Um, take this now. Yeah. (laughs) So, or it's just like conveniently there on their chair in the locker room, you know, (laughs) so they don't have to think about doing it on their own. Do you go on all the road trips with them? I have. Yeah, I have been this year. So that probably helps to keep them a bit more consistent where you're not doing like, oh man, they need two or three days of detox when they get home from this 10 day East coast trip. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It definitely helps a lot more to be there because I'm there to educate constantly, but then I can also just like give hand them these things that they're probably going to forget to grab. Yeah. So I heard you were making cooking videos during quarantine to help them eat properly what what was that like did any of them become passable chefs <laughs> i don't know that many of our major league guys were utilizing those videos but i know a lot of our minor league guys were enjoying them especially because they're the ones who were like definitely stuck at home because we were even still sending them when the major league season started for at least our minor league guys who weren't able to play so i don't know how much attention those guys gave to it but we had a lot of fun making them <laughs> I feel like a lot of people assume that all nutritionists and dietitians are good cooks. Are you a good cook? Do you have a cooking background? (laughs) No, I am not. I mean, I can hold my own if I follow a recipe, but I am not by any means. Like I could just see a bunch of ingredients and create something. And I always say, like when people ask me about that, that it helps me relate to people a lot better because I, you know, like I didn't have anyone really teaching me like, cooking skills or techniques growing up. And so I've had to learn a lot of things on my own and botched a lot of things too. But just like, I think that helps me just kind of relate to other people who are like looking at pots and pans and a stove and a bunch of ingredients. And they're like, I don't even know where to start. So (laughs) I wouldn't say I'm great, but I can hold my own. (laughs) Do you have for yourself personally, like a go-to pre-workout or post-workout meal? Personally, I like to do like couple hard boiled eggs and some fruit when that's available to me. That's typically like just, or like a yogurt, just something light and small. If I'm going to just go for a quick workout. And if it was like a meal, I'd probably do more like a sandwich, PB and J or something, just something really simple. That's pre-workout. Pre-workout. Yeah. And then what about afterwards? 
post-workout, pretty similar, but maybe just like more of something. So when I'm at home and I can be consistent with my workouts, it's typically like I'll blend myself a post-workout shake with protein, collagen in it, typically some glutamine in it, and then some sort of fruit, spinach, maybe some nut butter in there too, just add some flavor to it. But when I'm traveling with a team and, you know, just trying to get like any workout in, I typically just go eat whatever meal we have available. So some protein, any sort of carbohydrate that we have available, it's typically when I'll have the most carbohydrate in my day and then just something for hydration. So you mentioned hydration earlier as well. Do you have the guys drinking more water or do they all use like some kind of electrolyte supplement? Yeah, we have a, our sports scientist assistant strength coach. He'll kind of create hydration drinks for our players on a regular basis. And he kind of knows like what guys need based on how much they sweat or how their response is to certain climates and things like that. And then I'll also make some drinks for them. So it's a combination of electrolytes, but also um, we'll do hydration testing and then just kind of see where they're at and figure out if they need more water or more electrolytes based on those results too. Hydration testing being like, what's their sweat rate? How much weight do they lose when they're exercising? And are they like kind of lacking in like sodium, potassium when they're done, that kind of thing? Yeah, there is that. But um, we do a lot of like urine specific gravity testing, or there's also like saliva testing to do hydration now. So lots of nice little like new fun toys (laughs) that we can easily assess hydration. The most common one is urine specific gravity. So it's where you're testing their pee for basically like just their hydration status based on that number. Yeah. I do think that that's something that is tough for the general public to grasp. I don't think I think a lot of people don't drink enough, period. And then I think that when they do drink, they kind of gravitate towards Gatorade or soda, and it's just loading up with so much sugar. And this is obviously a problem with with young kid athletes, too, just taking in such a huge amount of sugar relative to the amount of activity they're actually going to be doing. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And even that goes back to kind of what I was saying earlier is sometimes our athletes forget that they're professional athletes and that they're just regular people. And so sometimes they show up to the ballpark and have not had anything to drink by like one o'clock. And I'm like, okay, we need to kind of get in a better habit of at least like when you wake up, just try to have one bottle of water before you even get here and then kind of getting them in the habit of doing that. But that's even tough sometimes. I'm going to go a little bit general here so the general listener can have some takeaways. What general nutrition tips would you give to someone who wants to lose weight? Definitely to be active, right? Because you need to burn some calories. So that track food, you don't have to do it all the time, but I think that's just a good way to kind of learn how many calories you're getting from different foods you're consuming throughout the day. And then just kind of see if the activity that you're doing is aligning with what you're consuming. And if you're over consuming calories, then you kind of know where to cut back. I think tracking is probably one of the most powerful things when you're trying to lose weight. What about for people who want to gain muscle? To gain muscle, also training. I mean, it's a certain type of training, you know, so a lot of hypertrophy work, a lot of high volume to help put on muscle. But then the biggest thing is just trying to make sure you're, you're getting more calories than you're expending because that's how you're going to put on weight. And then just making sure that those calories are generally from lean protein sources or just good protein sources, good sources of carbohydrate, not just pizza and milkshakes like a lot of young people <laughs> tend to do to put on weight. But yeah, I mean, I would just say the most common thing that I've seen with people who are trying to put on muscle and not having success is they're just 
skipping meals and not getting enough calories in throughout the day to support that. It's so funny how many people under, obviously overeating is a huge problem. Obesity is a big problem in this country, but undereating is equally as prevalent, I would say. Yeah, it definitely, it's, it, I feel like it's always with people who have the right intentions too, but they're just, you know, maybe we get so confused in the, well, like I have to look good or feel a certain way. And just like all the diet culture, it can get really muddled and confusing, but it's really simple. And like to put on muscle, you have to eat more calories. So yeah. What about tips for general folks to stay hydrated, not only during these hot like summer months, but also, I mean, wintertime dehydration is a real thing too, when you're exercising in so many more layers, people sweat a lot more than they realize. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of different apps and things that you can use to remind you to hydrate, which I've mm-hmm. played around with a little bit, but you know, even just like, I think just having a water bottle available, like carrying it with you. I always tell people like buy something like buy an expensive water bottle that you're going to be like afraid to lose and then carry it (laughs) with you everywhere. And then at least it's there and it's something to encourage you. And the easiest thing and something that I recommend to pro athletes, to my family that I do is just when you go to bed at night, have a full bottle of water sitting on your cell phone. And so when your alarm goes off in the morning, that's the first thing that you're grabbing is that bottle of water. And then it's just a reminder to kind of start your day hydrated. You had mentioned also before a bunch of the supplements that you recommend for your professional guys. Are there supplements that you think the general public should take? For hydration or just like just, general? Just in general. Yeah. I mean, I think a good multivitamin's never going to hurt because again, it's just like your backup plan for nutrients you may not be getting. And there's the thing that's cool about multivitamins is there's a lot of different formulations based on people's needs, right? There's some for women, men, kids, you know, you can just kind of take based on like what your needs and goals are. Fish oil, I think is also a big one, especially because people focus on heart disease and blood pressure and a lot of chronic disease, inflammatory disorders. And so fish oil or or sources of omega-3 fats are a really big one to help kind of reduce a lot of those or prevent that risk. Those are probably the biggest one. And then a good probiotic. And then this is one where you have to play around with certain formulations based on what your ailments are or maybe what works for you too. But those would be kind of like the biggest foundational supplements I'd recommend to everyone. Okay. Well, Lauren, I thank you so much for joining us. This has been really interesting. I you know I always love to kind of take a few tips here and there from every interview that I do. And I can certainly see myself doing that with this one. So thank you so much for uh, joining us. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. It was nice meeting you. Thanks so much to Larone for joining us today. Follow her on Instagram at Larone underscore sports RD as the Giants try to keep the Los Angeles Dodgers at bay in the National League West. Next time on Food of the Gods Gurus, we'll talk with Mike Boyle, former strength and conditioning coach for Boston University, the United States women's Olympic ice hockey team, the Boston Bruins, and the Boston Red Sox. Now at Mike Boyle Strength and Conditioning in Woburn, Massachusetts, Boyle trains professional athletes from across sports alongside athletes from Little League to Senior League and regular folks who just want to be fit. As one of the foremost experts in the world of strength and conditioning, Boyle is known for his no-nonsense approach and focus on safe, efficient, and effective training. Until next time, for more information on Food of the Gods or to download other episodes, visit us at foodofthegodspodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at at foodofthegodspod or email us at foodofthegodspodcast at gmail.com. Food of the Gods is a Digitant Podcast production. 